You can um, turn in your Bible with me to Proverbs chapter 2 is where we're going today. Um, we began a look at this uh, chapter of Proverbs several weeks ago, and then we took a break uh, for Christmas and uh, the New Year. So we're coming back to Proverbs chapter 2, and I just want to read it to you so that we have something of the context ahead of us. Um, Rich, I don't have a uh, presenter to you. Thank you. Yeah, I did too. It's on that side, yeah. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've got one right here ready to go. So, yeah, and uh, you can hear my, my voice is uh, not quite 100% today, so if you would be so kind as to pray for my voice. I have a lot in here I want to talk about, and this part of me has to cooperate, So, uh, but the Lord knows that. So, uh, so Proverbs chapter 2. <clears throat> um, my son, if you will receive my words... <clears throat> and treasure my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, you lift your voice for understanding. If you will seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things and from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut out from the land and from the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Thus reads uh, God's word. And um, it's been several weeks, but uh, we actually looked at the first part of this And uh, the title of the message today is The Pursuit of Wisdom. Right out of the gate, you will remember that Solomon has uh, before us this book of wisdom, and he's sitting down with his children. Really, he has this this grand plan as this book comes to us uh, was largely uh, a book that was written for Solomon's own children. His instruction and wisdom as he would raise his own sons and daughters in the fear of the Lord and so we've seen in that first chapter some of the um, the challenges of that, and, and the the um, uh, Solomon has told his kids, "You're gonna you're gonna face challenges in life. For example, for friends that don't walk with God, and the enticement of the things that they may want you to do, you see wickedness in your own heart. Most importantly, that you need to address and deal with." And 
So he turns the corner in Proverbs chapter 2, and he says, okay, if, if wisdom is the solution, if, if, if knowing God and knowing the ways of God and putting those ways in practice is, is the way that you address the foolishness in your heart and the foolishness in the world, how do we get that wisdom? How do we go about pursuing that wisdom? And that's what we see here in Proverbs chapter 2. So we, uh, we saw uh, several weeks ago, we're, we're just going to talk about um, in this chapter here uh, what we'll call four keys to the pursuit of spiritual wisdom. We saw, first of all, uh, several weeks ago, really the desire for wisdom in the first four verses there. We have to seek wisdom by intentionally and diligently looking for it. Um, wisdom is not something that accidentally you know, hits you on the head one day and, okay, now all of a sudden you're a mature believer. Wisdom is a pursuit. It, it, it's, a, it's something that you set up as a goal in your life and you pursue it, as it says here, by intentionally and diligently looking for it. Uh, we, we see that here. He says, My son, if you will receive my words, if you will treasure or store up my commandments, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, if you cry for discernment, if you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure. He gives about eight different ways there where he says, Pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. It's not going to happen accidentally. It has to become a pursuit of your life. Now, now we know, and, and uh, young people that are here, uh, our college students, our high school students, our junior high students that are here, you, you understand that um, wisdom is not the only thing that is staring you in the face every day competing for your affection and for your time and for your attention. In fact, wisdom is typically not right in front of you every day, is it? Entertainment is there. Friends are there. The pursuits of the world are there. Sports are there. Hobbies are there. All sorts of fun things you can do online. I mean, I mean the internet and the world, the world in the palm of your hand is there. And, and you, you can Google anything. You can Wikipedia anything. You, you can, um, uh, the, the, the way this happened, um, in our family last week, you, you can, you can Google a video on how to repair your clothes washer. Yes, you can. And, and all of a sudden, you are a appliance repair expert because the world is available and the Internet. And, and you, know, you know this because I, I see it. I see you guys do this just like you see me do it. It's so easy in that moment of quiet. What do you do? Right? Do you do that too? You, do you see yourself drawn to this vast world of information entertainment known as... Your smartphone. And so what Solomon is saying is he's saying, Son, you've got all of these things competing for your attention. All of these things competing for Now, obviously they didn't have smartphones in you know the ninth century here when Solomon's writing this, but there were allurements, there were challenges, there were friends, there were other pursuits. And Solomon says, Son, that the first thing, if you want to be wise in the things of God, you have to make it a goal. You have to make it a pursuit. It will not happen to you accidentally. And that's a reminder, young people, that if, if you aspire to be a mature, godly believer, it will not automatically happen to you. You have to make it your aim to be pleasing to Him, as the Scripture says. You have to make it your goal to grow maturity. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, we've said this before, it's worth saying again here, that spiritual maturity does not automatically happen to our children. 
Okay? It, it, it is not... Uh, uh, um, how do say it? Um, our children do not automatically grow up to be all that God wants them to be. That's why he gives them parents. That's why he gives them grandparents. We come alongside, we shepherd, we encourage, we teach, we train, because we know if we take our hands off the wheel of parenting, where do our children go? They go the direction of their natural, depraved, sinful, wicked hearts. They're cute, but they're depraved. And they will go that direction unless you grab the steering wheel of parenting and steer them toward the things of God. And that's the, that's the challenge of this book. That's the exhortation of this book is to take up that, that call seriously. Whether you're, again, a parent, a grandparent, some of you are great grandparents, uh, some of you aren't parents at all, but you know young people, you know families, you know children, and you minister to them here. And that's the challenge of this, that we must seek wisdom and help our children to seek wisdom by helping them to set their mind and their goal and their aim on those things. Now, secondly, uh, the second uh, aspect of a pursuit of wisdom here as we move on to verses 5 to 8 is that we need to discover the source of wisdom, the source of wisdom. And, and it might surprise you young people that the Bible does not say that the source of wisdom is something you can Google. It's not, well, I, I guess there are biblical sources online, of course, but that is not the source of wisdom. Wikipedia is not the end-all source, uh, the, the mecca of knowledge that you need for success in your life. Then what is? Look at verse 5. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. If you make it your aim to pursue wisdom with all your heart, you will learn it. Where does that come from? Look at the next verse. For the Lord gives wisdom. It is from his mouth that come knowledge and understanding and so on. We we, we notice the progression, right? Son, if you will do this, if you will pursue, if you will look, if you will strive, if you will uh, make it your aim, then you will discover this wisdom. Now, where does a son or daughter, where does a man or woman look to find the wisdom uh, that he or she needs? And the answer of this section is that he finds it or she finds it in the Lord himself, for the Lord gives wisdom. Now, now notice we see the little phrase there, the fear of the Lord. Then you will discover the fear of the Lord. This is one of the themes of the book of Proverbs, and we, we talked about it again. But we, we, need to, we need to remind ourselves of this because it's been several weeks. The fear of the Lord is is shorthand for a believer. Someone who fears the Lord is a believer, someone who's pursuing godliness in their life. It's a fundamental characteristic of believers. Remember we said when we talked about this back in chapter 1 that the fear of the Lord is the attitude that sees God as dangerous when sin is present and awesome when sin is forgiven. That, that, that duality of the fear of the Lord. In fact, even the, the Hebrew word itself uh, has two main aspects to it. Terror or awe. Dread or reverence, depending on what side of the cross you happen to be on. 
So before Christ, we think about a God who runs the universe, who comes in judgment, who comes in, in all the, the holiness of his battle array, the, the Lord of hosts. And when he comes for people who are in their sins, that is the greatest cosmic threat that any man or woman will ever face, is the Lord coming in judgment when you or I are still in our sin. But something amazing happens in this fear of the Lord when we come to know the Lord Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in Him. And that is that this, this terror, this, this dread of this um, God who we only relate to as a holy judge and as the one who comes in condemnation. That whole relationship changes. And we say with Paul in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That punishment, that, that judgment gets satisfied in Christ. And what does God do? He, he ceases to be a holy, righteous judge who condemns. And he becomes a holy, gracious father who adopts into bringing us into his family and relating to us, as the scripture says, a small child would cry out, Abba, Father. And so, so that, that relationship changes where, where God is no longer a condemning judge. He is a caring and sympathetic father. And the fear of the Lord then morphs into this awe and this reverence and this love and this worship for this God who would, who would make us and then save us and draw us into his family. Now notice, looking at the text here, it says, the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. And, and the wisdom is important. You see this, is built upon that little phrase, the fear of the Lord. In fact, if we, if we look ahead to Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the, what? The beginning of wisdom. Now, now this is so important that we see this, okay? And, and, and this is a, this is a look up for a second moment because we have to make sure we get this, okay? The Bible does not present wisdom as a set of principles that you just learn and apply to your life. Okay? When, when the Bible says you pursue it, you pursue it, you pursue it, then you discover the fear of the Lord. When the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what that's saying is wisdom does not start as principles that you learn, but in a God who you trust and love and submit to and follow. Do you see that? You cannot have wisdom by ripping the principles of the Bible out of the Bible and just say, well, I'm going to go be a wise person. No, wisdom happens when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with him. Wisdom starts in the fear of the Lord. That's what it's saying. Wisdom starts when we submit to and follow and love and worship this God. Wisdom is not first primarily about principles. It's about relating and knowing and trusting a person. And you've got to see that, okay? And there are, this, this is crazy. There are publishers who will take the Proverbs and turn them into books or turn them into meditations. Here's wisdom for the day. And those books say nothing of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is the very basis for wisdom. It's the very foundation. And you can't do that. So, so miss it. And, and, and young people, this is so important that you hear this. 
You cannot be wise. You cannot be mature. You cannot be the type of person that is godly without a relationship with the Lord Jesus. It does not matter how many Apaches you have on your Awana uniform. It does not matter how many Bible quizzes you've done, how many verses you've memorized. Those are all great things. It doesn't matter that you've come to this church your whole life. You must bow the knee to King Jesus in trust in Him, in love for Him, in allegiance to Him, if you will know anything of the wisdom of this of this book here. So let's remember that. Okay, so the Lord gives wisdom. Here we go. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Um, and that's, that's actually a helpful little text to see here because um, the Bible's going to say this. Wisdom is not so much about your experience in this world or your experience in life. It's about how much you fear the Lord and walk in His ways. That's why in Psalm 119, verse 99, the psalmist says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimony are my meditation. You know, uh, a, a, a young man or young woman in their 20s that is seriously pursuing a walk with God and, and is and is making their walk with Jesus the center of their life, may be more wise, by the Bible's definition, than someone in their 60s who has lived a full life of all experience but is just beginning to discover what it means to walk with God. That's what this says here, is that wisdom comes from the Lord in your walk with Him, in in your uh, uh, growth with Him as you follow Him. Look back at verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Notice this. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Now this is interesting because the Bible is, is not just here claiming that God is the source of wisdom. That's true. But what is it saying here? It says, as you come to him... He actually guards you. He actually protects you. And this is one of the themes that we're going to see in the book of Proverbs. Not only is wisdom valuable to you because you, you know, you'll make good decisions, you'll live a life that's pleasing to God, you'll grow in maturity, but wisdom actually guards you and protects you from all sorts of bad things that we are prone to do. Sometimes even unintentionally. Wisdom has this, this guarding role, and, that, and that's what Solomon is highlighting here, that God is not merely the distant source of wisdom. He gives it, and then what does he do? He actively and continuously guards and keeps the way of life of his godly one. So the Lord gives wisdom. He guards. He protects. Um, and notice, too, the, the singularity of this. This is not uh, you become wise by having the Bible plus worldly experience, or the, the Bible plus your gifts and talents, or the Bible plus your experiences in life, the singularity of this section of Scripture says, it is the Lord who gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we want to ask God. Key number two is ask God for wisdom as you study His Word. We see that. The, the Lord gives wisdom. It's from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we pursue wisdom in the things of God in the Scripture. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, Keith, so you're saying that if I want to be 
wise, if I want to get wisdom, I have to go to God for that. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And it is from his mouth that comes, singularly come knowledge and understanding. That's right. That's what I'm saying. That's what this says here. Okay? So, if you want to be wise, this is, this is very, very important. If you want to be wise in the things of God, you have to be studying the scriptures. This is the message about are you reading your Bible? Are you studying your Bible? Are you in your Bible? We have Bible reading plans here. We, we, we try to make reading your Bible in 2017 the easiest thing in the world. T- Pastor Terry has like eight or ten different plans on his blog that he's put together. You can do Old Testament, you can do New Testament. Through the Bible, you can do McShane's plan. You can do whatever you want. But the, but the point is not what plan am I going to do. The point is are you reading? You know, a foolish Christian is one who lives like this. Right? You can't get... There's no spiritual shortcuts to wisdom. You have to be in the Word, meditating, learning, because it's from the Lord that that comes wisdom and instruction. All right, let's look at key number three. Let's look at key number three in our pursuit of wisdom. Recognize the benefits of wisdom. We could call these the results or the the benefits of wisdom. We're going to look at a couple of them here, okay? Recognize the benefits of wisdom, verses 9 to 12, 9 to 19. Let's first look at verses 9 to 12, okay? Wisdom keeps you from evil ways. Look at verse 9. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Watch this. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. That little word then there indicates the results of learning wisdom and discernment. (coughs) It says you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. So, so what he's saying is wisdom gives you the ability to know righteousness and to know justice and to know equity. What is right or the upright thing to do, the, the right course. And notice also wisdom gives you the ability to discern. Do you see how valuable that is? What, what is discern? Discern is I have a decision to make. What do I do? Do I go this way or that way? Do I choose this or that? And and, and some of you, some of you have made decisions and right now are going through decisions that are of significant life uh, effect, aren't they? These are, these are medical decisions. These are decisions about what do I do with, with my aging parents? These are decisions about what, what do I do about my, my kids schooling or how do I handle this parenting issue? These, these are big deal issues. And what this text tells us is that wisdom gives you the ability to discern, to know what to do in every situation. Do you want that? I mean, you see the the value of that? To to know in every moment, this is what I do. This is how I honor the Lord at every intersection of life. Wisdom and discernment is a fundamental characteristic of knowing the will of God and knowing what He wants to do, wants you to do in every situation. 
We look back at the text. He says, then you will understand, right? Then you will know the course. You will know the good path to take. Wisdom is the roadmap to guide you safely in the will of God throughout your life. That's what he's saying here. And that's why Solomon says, pursue wisdom like a treasure, like silver, like gold. Because can you think of anything more valuable than that? The the key that unlocks the will of God for your life. It's wisdom. And and you know this, okay? The the, the Bible gives you principles. It says, um, here's how you think about money. Here's how you think about relationships. Here's what you should do and not do. But do you guys realize how many decisions in life the Bible doesn't give us a direct answer? Has this frustrated you? Um, It doesn't, uh, young people, it it will not tell you the the name of the person you're supposed to marry. Not there. Look in the concordance. That there are some girl names there. There are some boy names there. But that, that's not how you use the concordance, right? It doesn't tell you what college to go to. It doesn't tell you what degree to, to major in. It doesn't tell you what job to take. And you say, well, then, then how, how do I know the will of God for my life? Answer, you need wisdom. You need wisdom. As you learn the word of God and you grow in wisdom, you know how to make those decisions based on biblical principles but applied to situations like that. That's how valuable wisdom is. Now notice, how does this work? Look back at the text. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. This is a delight. This is a joyful thing. Why? Because you know exactly what you need to do. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating as a Christian in saying, I don't know what to do. But the Lord gives wisdom, and that brings delight and joy and contentment because you know what to do in each situation. And he says here, discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. There's that guarding function. Now now notice, and and here's the, the main point here. Wisdom keeps you from evil ways. Here it is. Look back at the text. It will deliver you. From the way of evil. That word deliver means to pull you out of. You, you can see, um, you know, it's like you're driving down the road and you're distracted by something and all of a sudden you start to veer over into the ditch and you look up at the last minute and you go, ah, and then you steer it back on the road at the last minute before you, you go off into the culvert, right? And that's what the, that's the picture here. Wisdom pulls you off of, go, of straying off into the wrong direction. And in this case, it's not the wrong direction in terms of, you know, I'm going to have an accident. It's the wrong direction because it's the way of evil to deliver you from going down the wrong path. Now, now you'll notice one of the themes of the book of Proverbs is this character. There are different characters in the book of Proverbs. And, and have you been reading Proverbs? You've been reading it? Remember, you're supposed to be reading it, right? You're, you're, you're not supposed to be allowed to be here if you're not reading Proverbs. I think that's... Did we talk about that the first day we came here? And I want you to read, be reading Proverbs. Anyway, no, that's, don't worry about that. Um, read Proverbs. That's the point. Now, so as you're reading Proverbs, there are different characters, okay? You, you are introduced to the wise man. Okay, we've been learning about the wise man. We're going to see again here another character, the, the man of evil. Okay, we're going to look at him in just a minute. We're going to learn about the adulterous woman. She's a key uh, character in this book. And then another key actor, key person in this book is what the Bible calls the naive. 
Have, have you read about the naive in here? The, and, and, and this is, as the name implies, the naive is not the most wicked person in the world. I mean, he's not out there doing terrible things, all that. He's just stupid. He, he, he doesn't know better. He's, he's inexperienced. He, he's not, he's not matured in the things of God yet. And what that means is, what, what is he prone to do? There's evil over there. He doesn't see it. And he just, he walks right into it. He, he, he goes into it because he's naive, because he doesn't know any better. Now, now what's Solomon saying in terms of the naive here, okay? This is saying, naive person, why do you need wisdom? Look back at the text. Because it will deliver you from the way of evil. Wisdom is what will help you to avoid getting involved in evil. Listen, even evil that you don't see. Even evil that you don't discern yet. In fact, it's it's actually really overwhelming to think, how as as we walk with God, how many evils do we avoid by God's grace every day that we don't even know about? You know that that's what the psalm is saying, or the proverb is saying, is that um, wisdom guards you from that. Now, now specifically here, specifically it it guards you from evil ways. Okay, and. Um, uh, we're going to look at, at two sort of illustrations of this, okay? Um, evil ways, going in the path of evil. Um, I'm sorry. Secondly, we're going to look at wisdom that keeps you from evil people, okay? That's evil ways. It keeps you from going those, those paths of evil. Wisdom also keeps you from evil people. And then here is where we're introduced to two different evil people, okay? So let's, let me introduce you to two different evil people, Okay? Evil people, evil person number one, the straying man with the perverse mouth. That's the first man I want to introduce you to. The, the first evil person is the straying man with the perverse mouth. Okay, now this is interesting. Again, this is written to young people. And, and you, you, you read that, and, and what do you think about? When you think about young people, the, the straying man that has the perverse mouth. I think of your average high school campus. Don't you? Where young people are just, here's the path of righteousness, and here's where everybody else is. I mean, they're going into drugs and alcohol. They're going into fornication. They're going in unhelpful entertainment. They're going in hobbies. And, and they're going all these different directions. They're straying into all these different paths. And, and the other thing you notice on the campus of most high, school, uh, most high schools is what? The perversity of speech. You notice that? Jesus said the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And that's, that's what you see. You see perversity. You see uh, immorality. You see corruption. You, you see lying. You see all these sorts of... You know what else I think of when I think about this? The NFL. I do. So many of our young men idolize the, those, those, those talented off-the-chart guys that run and catch and throw and block. And, and then you get to know most of them. I mean, I mean, there are some exceptions like Jason Witt and other guys like that. But you get to know most of these guys 
And they're perverse. They're wicked. They're getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and, and they can't even abide by their team's guidelines. They're, they're getting in trouble with the law. They're getting in trouble with domestic violence. All these sorts of things. And these are the heroes. And Solomon says to his boys, that's not where you look for direction. You're going to come across people like that. You're going to be influenced by that. And the reason you need wisdom is wisdom will keep you from getting caught up and affected by all of those types of peers. Now now notice, uh, if we look at the text here, the man who speaks perverse Things And you can't see it in English, but the word speaks is iterative. It, it, it's continuous. He, he just speaks perversion over and over and over and over. And, and this, is, this is sad, but you see, even very early on in a young person's life, that they become so often habitual liars. You notice this? They just deceive, they just lie, they, they don't even think twice about deception. And, and, and if you're a young person, can I, can I just tell you, you need to fight the tendency in your heart to lie and to deceive and to create a persona that is not you. You need to fight that with all of your being because that is ultimate destruction. To be a person that lies and deceives and is untrustworthy. That's this man here. Solomon says, avoid that man. This is why you need wisdom to avoid that person. And notice, look what this says, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk or live in the ways of darkness. In fact, the text says they delight in joying evil and they even rejoice in perversions of all sorts. This is the entertainment culture, guys. This is written in the ninth century and it seems like it could have been written last week in, in light of you know, the average entertainment protocol of our young person today. These are people that as a life pattern are devious, twisted, and crooked. And the Bible is saying here that wisdom guards and keeps and delivers you from those people. I mean, if you're a teenager here, can you just think for a second, how are you going to avoid that person? If if you're a teenager and you say, I really want to walk with God, but the people I play football with, the people at my school... Some people in Awana, some people that I hang out with. How, how do I avoid being influenced? Well, the Bible has an answer. Wisdom guards and keeps you from these people. Wisdom gives you discernment. Listen, guys, wisdom gives you discernment about the friends you pick. Wisdom gives you discernment about the people that you hang out with. And, and parents, just can I just remind you, the, the threat to our children, to our young people, are not just people who play on the football team, that play in the band, that are at school. That, that, guys, you understand, we, we live in a social media world. In fact, it may be the biggest threats to the young person in your home is somebody that lives on the other side of the world. And your son and that guy play video games together online. That's what they do. And so we've got to think about the need for wisdom, not just with with the peers that we see, but the peers that we can't see, particularly in social media. 
So young person, this is why you need the wisdom of God to guard you and protect you. There's nothing wrong with getting on the computer and playing video games with someone, you know, in London or something like that. That's great. That's awesome. There can be fellowship with that. But you have to be so careful. And can I just say, if you're a young person, you're not smart enough to figure that out on your own. You need God's wisdom. You need the fear of the Lord. You need to be growing in the knowledge of God. And you need wise people around you to help you with that decision. You need to be transparent and say, Mom, Dad, Awana leader, Pastor Terry, whoever it is, I need help with this. I'm not sure how to handle this. Is this a danger? Is this a threat? Or is this something that's good and wholesome for me? So wisdom will help guard you from the straying man with the perverse mouth. But there's a second person. I want to introduce you to a second threat. And, and uh, th- this lady shows up several times in the book of Proverbs. We'll see her again. The woman who is not your spouse. The woman who is not your spouse. <clears throat> and again, written in the ninth century, absolutely, completely relevant today. Young person, one of the biggest threats to your life and your spiritual well-being and what type of person you become and what kind of life you have is the person of the opposite sex that you're attracted to. That is the biggest, that can be one of the biggest threats that you will face in your life. And Solomon knows that, the Lord knows that, and that's why we're going to talk about her right now, okay? Now, look back at your Bible, look at the text, to deliver you from, my Bible says, the strange woman. Okay? What does your Bible say there? The forbidden woman, the strange woman, anyone else? The adulteress, okay? Now, now, this is, it, it literally is the strange woman, and you kind of go, like, okay, you're a teenager, and you're going, okay, Pastor Keith, how do I know when I've met a strange woman? You know, does she look funny? You know, does she dress like it's 1986? I mean, what, what, how do I, how do I know I've identified her? Okay? Well, let me help you with that. The word strange, is not talking about her appearance. In fact, we're going to find out that most of the strange women of Proverbs are very attractive ladies. Okay, The strange woman, the reason she's called that is she's a foreigner. You say, you know, she's from, um, you know, uh, overseas somewhere? No, no, no. No. She's foreign, she's strange, in that you are not in a covenant relationship with her in marriage. Okay? So... Accurately explained, the foreign woman is the woman who is not your spouse. That's what it means, okay? Or, young lady, this is the man who is not your spouse. It goes both ways. Now, now watch how this develops. You need wisdom, young person, to deliver you from the person who is not your spouse. It goes on, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who... Listen to this, guys. None who go to her return. Nor do they reach the path of life. Can I plead with you, teenager, college student, young adult? Be very careful with the opposite sex. Be very careful. You can do things in a moment of foolishness that will cost you a lifetime of regret. 
and Solomon sits down with his boys and says, I want to tell you about this girl. I want to tell you about a girl who you're going to meet on the sidelines of your football game. You're going to meet on your college campus in biology class. You're going to meet her at your school. You're going to meet her at church. You will meet this woman at church, at camp. This isn't like, okay, you know, we're in a Christian circle, so this isn't a threat. I mean, one of the the biggest problems in the church with young people are when Christian young people get involved in immorality. Solomon warns his sons about women. And in so many discussions about women, he often ends up talking about sexual purity. Now, there's a couple of things we need to get right here. Men, we have to own this. This is Solomon modeling for every dad, for every father, every grandfather, every great-grandfather says, whose responsibility is it to sit down with a young person, a son, a daughter, a granddaughter, a grandson, and warn about the danger of sexual immorality? Whose job is that? It's our job. It's our job to do that. We have to own that. We have to do that. We, we, we have to... Take up this charge and say, it is my job to teach my children and shepherd my children and educate my children and warn my children about the threats out there. We need to do that, dads. That's our responsibility. And young people, the Bible is trying to help you see something that is so important, and that is this is one of the greatest dangers you will ever face. The book of Proverbs is constantly bringing this subject of sexual immorality back to the subject of young people. In fact, you want to see something interesting? Uh, you remember in the New Testament, you know, Paul writes Romans and 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, he, Paul writes all those letters to the churches, right? And one of the things he likes to do in those letters is to give us lists. Paul was a list guy. Some of you guys really like that. Lists, you just write lists. And very often, in almost all of those books, Paul will say, here are the things you want to put off and repent of. The sinful things that you might be tempted to or you're doing, put them off, right? And then he gives you another list. Here's the godly pursuits you want to go after, pursue in their place. Okay, so there's put off, put on, right? Here's the danger. Don't do those things. Here's the godly equivalents. Go do those things, okay? At the top, the list of what not to do, the, the, the lists of, of sinful things, in Paul's list, do you know what is almost always at the top of every single one of those lists? Sexual immorality. Almost always at the top of every single one of his lists. Do you think he's trying to tell us something? You say, that was the first century. Solomon's writing in the ninth century. Well, guess what? Nothing has changed. It's still a threat. It's still a danger. Now notice, look back at the text, this foreign woman, this strange woman, the woman that's not your spouse, she flatters with her words, she, she lies, she deceives, she, she speaks perversions, she, she flatters with your mouth, she, she has smooth speech, she's, uh, she's a loose talker. Now, that tells us something very important about sexual immorality, okay? And if you're a young person, you need to get this, okay? Um... The enticement to sexual immorality <coughs> is not just what you see, it's what you think about. It's the lies you embrace. 
It's the falsehoods that you claim. You know, the pornography that says no one will ever find out what I'm doing. The, the adulterous relationship, the sexual relationship that says this person really loves me. That's what matters, right? What matters is love. No, what matters is a covenant with God. That's what matters. And young person, you will see that the battle for sexual purity, the battle to avoid sexual immorality, is a spiritual battle that you fight right here in your mind with what you believe, what you think, what you embrace, what you dwell on, what you choose to do with the biblical knowledge that you know. And that's what Solomon is trying to help to see here. You, you, don't, you don't just fall into immorality. It's a spiritual battle that happens inside you as you embrace lies. Like the man who speaks perverse things, this woman speaks perversions. And she draws people to herself. Now, now you guys understand that in this day, and, and, I, and I hate to even talk about this, but we need it to understand the context. Um, you guys understand in the ninth century there was no internet? You guys understand that? Okay, no internet. And young person, I know this is hard to fathom. There was no smartphone. There was no iPad. There was no laptop computer. Okay? I know what you're thinking. What did people do if they didn't have any of those things? I, I, talk to your parents. They, they remember some of those days. Um, not the ninth century, but days without the internet. Okay? Um, and, and, and we think um, this is so completely relevant because the way the way that pornography works online w- was unknown in this day okay the way prostitution worked was there was um, a shady downtown area where the prostitutes hung out and you would know the prostitute by how she was dressing and people that wanted to enjoy that particular form of sexual sin would go to those street corners. They would go to those areas. And you know what? Not a whole, you can go to downtown Dallas and find some of the same street corners, okay? And you think, well, I would never do that. I would never go. But, but you know what? Pornography works the same way. Online pornography works exactly the same way. It allures you. It draws you in. It, it, it causes you to believe lies about getting caught or not getting caught, about what real love is, about what real pleasure is, about what real fulfillment is, about what God thinks about it. All those things uh, are of enticements happen even in an online pornography encounter. And we need to remember that it is the truth of God. It is, it is believing what God has said and living in light of it that is the spiritual battle that helps you avoid these things. Um, we're skipping ahead, but Proverbs chapter 5 is going to say, in avoiding immorality, for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. You say, what does that have to do with temptation? Because in the moment you're tempted to pull out your phone, the moment you're tempted to fire up your laptop or turn on your, your video streaming player and look at something that does not honor God, what stops you, what brings you to a halt, is something in here that God does that says, God is here. There's nothing that's happening apart from his watching eyes. 
in that room, with that phone, with that computer, with that television, with that entertainment device, your God is there with you. And to know Him and to love Him and to trust Him and to cry out to Him in moments of temptation, that is what will keep you away from this woman. Spiritual battle is always about what you think and what you believe, what you know. Now notice, notice why this woman is so dangerous. And, and, and can we think about this? Look at, look at the text here. Um, she forgets the companion of her youth. She forgets the covenant which she, or excuse me, she leaves the companion of her youth. She forgets the covenant of her God. And can I just, a footnote on this? Marriage is a covenant, according to this verse. It's not a cultural phenomenon. It's not just a, a governmental license. It's not just a, a personal thing that people make with each other. Oh, we're married because we want to be married. Marriage, defined by God, is a covenant. And he sets the terms. He invented it. He says this is how it works. And, and this, this text just reminds us that marriage is much more than even a solemn promise. It's, it's a covenant that a man and a woman make to God in the presence of God for life. She leaves the companion of her youth. She forgets the covenant with her God. She lies about her marriage covenant. She breaks it. It says here her house the place where she brings the naive, foolish young men. It slouches down to death. It, it bends over to death. It says her tracks, the patterns of her life, lead to the dead. This is the type of thing that will lead to spiritual death and to hell itself. All that go to her never return, meaning they will never reach the path of life. You, you cannot be on, listen, you cannot be on this path and on the path that leads to life. You can't do it. I'm not saying that true believers can't struggle with this type of temptation. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you can't say, I'm going to live on this path of sexual immorality and I'm going to somehow fit my walk with God into that. You can't do that. That's what Solomon is saying. So what does Solomon say? Stay as far away from this lady's house as you can. Our old college pastor used to say that the, the question is not how close to sin can how, how close to sin can I get without it being sin. That's not the question, young person. The, the question you you need the thing that needs to compel you is this: How holy can I be? Not how close can I get to sin without sinning. You know, if, if we had time, um, you know, in, in Solomon's day. Sexual morality was not about an image on a screen. It was about a person. And so, if I can just talk very practically, personally about this, one of the dangers of sexual morality today on a smartphone, on the computer, in online pornography, whatever, is to think it's just an image, right? It's, you know, it's not like you're going and actually physically committing adultery with somebody. But I want you guys to remember that that image on that screen is a real person with a real family, in a real industry, in a real environment. And um, I, I've heard uh, some of our biblical counseling friends talk about the pornography, in, pornography industry, and, and you, you would not believe, 
as if pornography is bad enough, you would not believe the filth and, and the, the aspects of depravity that are stirred up and, and, and compensated and, and people make money off of this. Um, there's an old Colin Ray song, When I Think About You. Some of you may remember the old country song. And he talks about a man who's tempted to pornography. He's tempted to look at a woman lustfully. He says, when I do that, I'm going to think about you. And he thinks about this, this young girl, perhaps his daughter or um, you know, a, a small child, and, and, and remembering that that woman that he's tempted to lust after was once someone's little girl. Those are the types of things that we need to think about when we're tempted to pornography and sexual morality. And young person, you need, you need to not just avoid this, you need to run from this. You need to, you need to do everything in your life to guard and protect and cultivate a walk with God that will turn you away from this sort of thing. Finally, last thing, we need to pursue a life, a lifestyle of wisdom, verses 20 to 22. So you will walk in the way of Good men and keep to the paths of righteous of the righteous. Now notice a specific promise to the people of Israel here. Okay, for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. You remember this is originally written to people in the nation of Israel, and some of God's promises were tied to the obedience or lack of obedience <coughs> to the people. So those last two verses that we see in Proverbs chapter 2 are really specific promises directed at the nation of Israel. So we can't apply those directly because we're not the nation of Israel. What we can do is apply the general principle that we see prior to that. Look what it says. It says, so, or in order that. This is the purpose, okay? The, the purpose of wisdom to pursue a life, a lifestyle of wisdom he says, you will walk, meaning you will live in the way, the path of good men. You will keep to the ways, the paths of the righteous ones. Solomon says to his son, what's the goal of all this? What's the point of all this? The point of all this is that you pursue a lifestyle of wisdom. This is not like one Bible study where you go, okay, dad, I got it, I'll be careful. Solomon's vision and thus God's vision for young people and old people like us also, we all need wisdom, is this, that we would develop a lifestyle of pursuing wisdom. To remain in wisdom, to keep on the path of wisdom, to, to walk in the way of good and righteous men, to make wisdom a way of living for us, a lifetime pursuit. Um, and, and really, that, that's, that's where this, this chapter ends. The, the chapter ends with the challenge is wisdom the pursuit of your life? Is this, is this something that it's like I want, and here's what we do. I want a little bit of wisdom to get me through this, this decision that I have or this season. And Solomon says, no, that's not the goal. The goal is to make a lifestyle, a lifelong pursuit of knowing and following this God and the wisdom that he has for us. So if you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you're a young person, this is the goal. 
The, the, the goal is not to you know, be the best sports guy. The, the, the goal is not to get a certain score on the SAT or get into a certain college. Or th- Those are great achievements and you need to do that. But young person, again, if I, if I could plead with you on the basis of this text, the goal of this text is to make it your aim to pursue a lifestyle of wisdom. Strive to be a Christian young man or young woman that is on the path of wisdom and do everything that we've seen here as a means toward achieving that goal. All right, and, and old people, that's the rest of us, we need to help our young people to achieve that wisdom and to come alongside and help them even as we make it our aim to pursue a life of wisdom as well. Okay, we'll put a comment on our notes there. We'll come back to talk about chapter 3 next week. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for the wisdom of this book. And, and uh, Lord, I pray uh, as we... Um, As we come alongside our young people, will we help them to know you and to follow you and to learn the wisdom that you have? James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he asks God and God gives him wisdom. So, Father, I pray for the young man here, the young woman here, that they would grow in wisdom, grow in godliness, grow in the fear of the Lord, and and that the rest of us would come alongside and through both our example and our teaching that we would be helping them to grow in wisdom even as we pursue those things as well. Lord, there are many distractions, there are many threats, there are many dangers. Uh, Will you help us to stay focused on the goals that we see here? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.